Hi, Charlotte. Thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate it. So Charlotte here is joining us from London, UK, founder CEO of a company named Avid. So at this point, Charlotte, I'm just going to, you know, let you have the floor, introduce yourself, talk a little bit about yourself, the company, your motivations behind starting the company. Yeah, I'm sure. Happy to. Um, so I guess I'll, I'll start with myself, um, even like how this interview came about. Um, what well, might be of interest to some people as a bit of a liberal arts college um, reunion type situation going on. Um, yeah, so I guess uh, Vertica and I both went to Dickinson and uh, and was, I, I, I think when you first mentioned your project, I was first curious, like how many uh, entrepreneurs came out of, I guess, that few classes that people we might know and um and yeah i really look forward to seeing like more of these uh founders being being discovered it would be good to see um because i don't know if uh, if the college itself actually does much about an encouraging entrepreneurship not too sure reach out to them and have a conversation on that yeah yeah um so yeah i guess like a bit about myself like how i ended up on this journey i guess going back to in case there are students listening going back to Dickinson days it wasn't like I you know I knew what I wanted and I guess part of the beauty was liberal arts education is that you get to just explore and uh, you don't even have to declare your major until end of sophomore year right so a lot of flexibility and uh, if anything I guess that's explorative mentality and that ability to just try things out is really um a gift in life and in some ways maybe the fact that i embrace entrepreneurship is that i missed it right because entrepreneurship is the ultimate way to explore and to find out things about yourself that you didn't even know you needed to know so <laughs> definitely being a journey so far um so yeah way back when no idea what i wanted to do really Just thought i wanted to be a professor decided not to senior year and uh kind of left the US, came, to co came over to Europe because I, I was very much, uh, um, I guess, fascinated by um, a different way of living. I, think, I don't think I was as aware of how different European style of living really was mm -hmm. until like I spent a summer in France and, uh, and suddenly it dawned on me. I'm like, maybe, maybe that one matches my personality a little bit more. But this also ties back to a topic maybe we can dive in a little bit later together with you because you know you're also on your own entrepreneurial journey end of the day how do you find that balance right doing your best giving your i don't i'm, I'm careful with saying giving it your all because there is risk of pushing it too far right it's a marathon so how do you find that balance doing your best define the best and then stay sane and keep that creativity going and feel happy about this whole journey right right so so yeah i think <laughs> that definitely can be a can be a fascinating topic um but i think me personally kind of i guess this whole whole journey overall coming to europe and then like first started my career in consulting actually and again maybe a little bit of indecisiveness didn't know what I wanted to do you know one way to explore different industry is to work in consulting and then um kind of postponed that decision for a little until I ended up in fintech so it's 
definitely still technology, but happened to be in finance because uh, I guess London is after all a financial hub, right? Mm -hmm. And I think at the time I started my, my I guess, career, Facebook and Google and such tech companies still wasn't like the immediate thing you'd think of. And uh, at the time, my relationship to technology was more user-based. But over the years, I mean, no one can deny there has been a technology boom and more and more people interested in tech startups and all, myself included. Mm -hmm. That's why like a few years ago, I ended up learning coding. I taught myself. And, uh, and I think that really um, made this whole, I guess, further um, entrepreneurial journey a lot more natural transition because I started to, you know, kind of break into different networks than the one I was I was part of, you know, kind of transitioning from pure corporate to the tech scene and then the tech startup scene. And um, and then it's like, oh, well, in fact, two years ago, the first startup idea I attempted, if I kept at it because of pandemic, would have been amazing? <laughs> Because it was, uh, it? Um, it, it's to do with uh, a live, like peer-to-peer -peer learning. So you can think of it as like yes. tutorship, right? Yeah. But at the time, um, it didn't pick up the steam. Kind of feel like the timing wasn't right. Like people were initially interested in, but then behavior didn't seem to stick. Mm. And um, and then, I guess thanks to serendipity, I also met um, my ex-co-founder. Uh, and we started to explore different, um, I guess, new business ideas, right? Instead of like keeping on pursuing that one, which he wasn't part of, we thought maybe it made more sense to try something new that's, you know, shared between us. And, um, and we both knew we wanted to work in education and specifically adult learning because, because we fundamentally believed if you help people to become the best versions of themselves, their children are gonna be fine, right? Because they are your children's best teachers end of the day. And uh, when you look at the general kind of adult learning space, what you see is that MOOC, open MOOC, obviously has such tremendous promise, right? It started, well, in fact, it started probably around 20 years ago, but over the last 10 years, it's it's getting, getting such publicity and steam and, the big number you see tend to, it's quite impressive in many ways. You know, it's definitely a step forward, but there is also a gap, a gap in really matching like learning with people's real life because these lifelong learners are tremendously busy. They struggle with actually finding time and prioritizing these learning. That's why very few people actually succeed. And, uh, but the interesting thing for us is that when looking at, you know, the intended target population, these lifelong learners, these adults, working professionals, while they struggle with time, like at the same time, everyone, everyone has some sort of downtime and dead time in their day. And the people are already using that time listening to podcasts. And in fact, on average, spending seven hours a week doing so. And a lot of the podcasts are already considered educational. It's just, it's not as systematic because like you might consume these content, feel like I've learned something, but you never get to kind of build the knowledge on top and be able to get somewhere, right? So that to us was a big uh, realization of existing behavior. 
an intention, right? Like I guess traditional online education proves the desire, the podcasting um, behavior is existing behavior there. And then what's missing is really just in a way is a layer of uh, intentionality and curation, right? To create that's more curated educational content in the audio form where you know the people prefer. So that's kind of led to Avid that we're in the space of making it easy for people to create and monetize their audio-based educational content. Nice, that, that's, a, that's a beautiful journey. And could you tell us a little bit about how it's going now? Uh, you know, what are the subscription models? Uh, you are backed. So a little bit about that. Uh, and pandemic, I would imagine, has only helped your business, I would think. Uh, would you say so? Or, or, or how, how has, you know, how has uh, pandemic? Yeah, uh, I think when it comes to, um, I guess, our company specific journey, I think timing is everything, right? There's obviously this big pandemic happening, but at the same time, we're early stage startup. So a lot of the time is really spent on building and refining the product. If anything, when things like pandemic happen, the companies that benefit the most in time are the ones who already have the core finished right? They are really in a position to monetize. That tend to be, well, say the massive growth of Zoom is a classic example, right? Because they their foundation is already there. So they're able to capitalize on an increasing trend. For us, it's more, we want to like, the desire to release our products soon is stronger because of the massive wave. And in many ways, pandemic doesn't just signal a uh, sudden change of behavior it's also behavior change that's going to come and stay with us in fact right. so if anything it accelerated certain things that we believe is only going to become more of the dream, the the core right because say even podcasting it's still so niche we might not realize it because we're all living our own bubble like i listen to council podcasts like and to really think about the percentage of um like if you were to compare the number of podcasts out there with the number of blogs out there, you suddenly see, wow, this is like the beginning stage, such a massive early stage. And um, and I think that's also been a fun thing for me to kind of kind of get used to um, as part of the job as founder, you need to constantly zoom in and out. And when you think about the big picture, which is super exciting, because like, you know, you're painting the blue sky, but like the day-to-day -day grind, you need to focus on task at hand, right? And if anything, I've had um, experienced entrepreneur friends sharing a big tip to like keeping sanity was to not think beyond two weeks at a time. Because like, if you think too far, it's exciting, but also you're seems sure. very daunting. Because you don't really know how you're going to get there. Truth is, so much needs to happen. So yeah, it's, it's helpful to like sometimes just get excited about the big idea, but it's yeah. generally more helpful to focus on task and head. And for us, it's really about getting the product to the right state that we believe is uh, gonna best serve um, our target audience. So we're in closed beta, we're working with some select creators, but not in a, a open state, right? That was a deliberate choice. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's a great way for you to test your product, make sure everything is great and get feedback, make changes to it before you do your massive rollout. 
so that's that i would imagine so that's that's great and are you what about like the whole the is it mostly adult learning or are you also looking at the the schools because a lot of moms are struggling with you know teaching their children that's a pain point right now even formal education in universities that's going through a transformation so who is your target audience are you looking for professionals looking to teach or are you targeting universities or schools what are your thoughts on that because online learning is you know it is pretty important right now and it's picking up yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, we um, we see our platform serving all sorts of um, use cases. Like we've spoken to educational institutions, professors. Mm -hmm. We've also spoken to individual content creators. Mm -hmm. I think at this moment, we are more focused on individual content creator because yeah. we, I mean, there's always this, um, I guess difficult decision most um, businesses will need to make because when you go down a B2B route, if you don't do it well, it's very easy to end up becoming a consulting business. Nothing wrong with it, but it should be a deliberate choice, right? And because big, big clients tend to have their own unique requirements. And um, so we are very conscious given our, you know, stage um, being a small team, we want to stay focused. So we're mostly focused on individual creators. So more professional content. Got it, that's, that's good to know. And is, is, it, is there a specific type of sector you're going after or not really, you've kept it broad and open? Uh, from a yeah, so um, when it comes to that way, it's being, cause there is no perfect answer to any of these end of the day. You're making, you know, choices based on information you have and for us, we, um, we definitely considered having a very deliberate topic choice. And um, there are some topics we, we have some intentionality on kind of gearing towards, but we're more focused on creators at this stage. So because of that, we are not super strict on the subject matter, but, um, but I guess they all fall into general um, career development category, if anything. Got it, interesting. And are they all UK-based? Because it's all virtual now. No, no, so, um, <laughs> I mean, when it comes to the content creator space, UK after all is, um, is a small country, right? So while there are many talents, proportionally speaking, it's still the small pie. So um, yeah, no, our creators are, are not bound by geography, really. Right. So where are your first few from? If I were, if, if you're able to talk yeah, about Yeah, sure. We, we literally have, well, I mean, we have creators based in the US as well as um, in Europe, UK and Holland, and also like people from India even, so. That is fantastic. So you're already thinking global at the start of it. And why not? Because it's virtual, it's podcasting, and you yourself have had a very global experience. Yeah. I mean, Creators, but that's the beauty, right? Like you, as a creator, you don't need to be in any specific location. Your content is inherently global because of the platform and distribution. So yeah. Yes, absolutely. Fantastic. And uh, what about, would you have ads on your platform eventually or are you keeping it ads free and just subscription? Just, you're not even thinking of that right now. Um, we, we definitely don't want to do ads. It's a big oh. thing. Um, <laughs> I mean, if anything, we are really promoting for creators to 
find alternative to ads as revenue stream because okay. the, the attention economy is real, but the cost is what people tend to underestimate. I don't know if you, I mean, this is not a new thing, but uh, mm. but Netflix only recently released this documentary called Social Dilemma. I think it's called the social dilemma. It's basically about the social media and uh, the hidden costs, right, of free. Because nothing's free inherently. Nothing's free, that's right. So, yeah. So yeah, like we're very much uh, about promoting, because, you know, we as a platform is about helping creators to create and monetize, but this monetization is more around charging, you know, be a one-off or subscription fee. So yeah. Fantastic. Great. Sounds good, Charlotte. Uh, that was great to know. And pandemic, I would imagine, is only helping from the perspective of more and more people looking for, for you know, online ways of learning, sharing, and uh, all of that uh, stuff. Bless you. So what, are, what would you say is your biggest challenge right now? And yeah, what would you say is your biggest challenge right now? Or what do you need help with? Biggest challenge right now. I mean, we are really still uh, in the process of creating success stories. So we're just working with handpicked creators to help their course succeed, right? As a starting point, because uh, if anything, people like to be inspired and then take it's you know all your course afterwards a new thing. Even though it's been a massive market in China, in mm -hmm. fact, more popular than video course by this point. Oh, but, okay. Yes. But yeah. It's not. Yeah, it's not being really picked up in in Western English speaking countries for whatever reason, right? So you do plan to keep it audio only and not have visuals and videos ever in it. Your your goal. We have a specific medium focus for for various reasons, and if if anything, like audio as a learning vehicle is undervalued. Right. There's obviously a massive boom with audio books. In fact, I remember seeing somewhere yeah. download of Audible. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But download of Audible actually surpassed Kindle. So um, I think, you know, embrace, literally embrace uh, the medium. And also, I think more and more, especially, I guess, young adults have realized we're bombarded by visual medium these days. There is intentional um i guess shift in people wanting to be more yeah. i guess mindful with how how they engage with content mm -hmm. and and audio has this beauty where you're still able to actively engage with your imagination and and in a productivity obsessed society audio is faster <laughs> than reading end of the day so there are many benefits to it. So yeah. Great. And I've, you know, from my that's that's great to learn. And from my perspective, I would imagine that it would appeal to a lot of those people who don't necessarily want to be in front of screen. You know, they're camera shy and they just literally, you know, want to use their voice as a learning medium. So that's that's great. So I guess, you know, the platform would appeal to those because you do have a lot where LinkedIn learning, for example, like it's a lot of like audiovisual, but podcasts too, that's, you know, that's a huge advantage for, 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 for those who just don't want to be in front of a screen. And because that's also a lot very time consuming with audio. It doesn't matter if, you know, if you have your, you know, if you have your uh, hair down or anything, it's just literally, okay, it's audio, you can do it at like, 
3 a.m. in the morning, you wake up and you're just like, okay, I just had a burst of an idea. So that is great. Yeah, that is unique. Uh, well, thank you so much, Charlotte, for taking the time to you know share your beautiful journey. Really, really appreciate it. And I can't wait to have more of these with you as you know as you grow in your journey. Best of luck and look forward to staying in touch. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Enjoy and uh, you know keep me posted on your journey as well. Absolutely. Yes, we'll grow together. Take care now. Bye. Bye, Charlotte.